the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Joshua learned as a young man right there at that moment how a delivered people, how a people who've been rescued by the power of God can so quickly turn from God if they don't keep a relationship with God alive. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko with This Is Reaching Your Heart. Today we finish up the broadcast we started the last time we were together entitled Strength and Honor. That's Strength and Honor. Thanks for being here. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, call us today at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. We would love it if you're able to attend the worship service. I'll have details on all of that at the end of our message here today. Another option is watching it live each and every week at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. We pick up the broadcast today where Pastor Michael Oxentenko is talking about Moses, not allowed to go into the promised land. And yet because he had sinned, because he embodied the sin of the people, the unbelief in the wilderness, in one mistake, God said, you can't go in. Some people say, well, what, what, why, why didn't he do that? Why, did, why, why didn't he let him go in? Because Moses reached out and struck the rock when God said, you shall not. And that rock was not an ordinary stone. It was the rock that was in the middle of the pillar of fire and cloud. The blue sapphire stone throne of God had come down in the pillar of fire and cloud, the door of the tent of meeting, and in anger Moses reached in and struck it. And the river of life flowed out to give them water. And Moses didn't die, like Achan who touched the Ark of the Covenant, because it was an act of weakness. But God disciplined him and says, you will die You will not enter the promised land because you broke faith with me. So Moses went up the mountain to die alone on the mountain like someone else thousands of years later. Jesus would go up Mount Calvary in the darkness of the cross would die alone for us. He would see the land from afar but be separated from it. On his last journey up the mountain, Moses went alone. God buried Moses somewhere and Joshua never learned the place of his tomb. And so Joshua rose up after the death of Moses to take the people across the Jordan without the help of his mentor and friend Moses. And just before Moses died, Moses passed the mantle, so to speak, to Joshua in the eyes of all the people. I mean, he didn't just let Joshua take over. He pulled Joshua before the people and he invested him with leadership. He, he, he dedicated him to the cause before him. Look at Deuteronomy 1, verse 37. Here we have an amazing interaction. Moses is speaking. He says, The Lord was angry with me also on your account and said, You shall not go in there. Verse 38, Joshua the son of Nun who stands before you, he shall enter the promised land. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. It's an amazing statement there. Moreover, your little ones, who you said would become a prey, and your children, who this day have no knowledge of God or evil, uh, no, have no knowledge of good or evil, shall go in there, and to them I will give it, and they shall possess it. 
And so Joshua led a generation of young people into the promised land without Moses. And this is the context for the introduction to the book of Joshua. Joshua 1 verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land which I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. He doesn't say, I will give it to you. He says, I have already given it to you, as I promised to Moses. So here's the link. Moses is dead. God promised Moses. I have already given it to you because I promised Moses. Now act on that promise. Move forward. Now look at verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, and I will not fail you or forsake you. And then verse 6, be strong, and what does the text say? And of good courage, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong and of good courage. Notice that God does not say, I will cause this people to inherit the land. He doesn't say that there. He says, I will be with you and you will cause it to happen, Joshua. Because I'm with you, something's going to happen inside of you as a leader. You're going to find talents you never had before. Yeah, you're a young person, but you know what? I have grown you. You're going to do extraordinary things for God. I will make you do things that blow your mind, Joshua, because you believe in my word. I am with you. You will do it. Mark Twain once said that courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. Joshua was afraid, but God gave Joshua courage to act in spite of his fear. Joshua 1.9. Here it is. This is an amazing verse. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Amazing verse. Now I'm going to ask our young people to come forward right now. They have a song for you, and Katie would like to read this verse in a, in a more modern translation. But you come forward, and after that song, we'll continue the ser- sermon here. They have something to say in music to us. That helped the sermon a little bit. Thank you. <laughs> they were going to do that for uh, offertory, but when I came in last night and I saw these kids, you know, we had to have that song in the middle of the sermon. Thank you. Well done. So why was Joshua instructed to not be afraid? He was told that God is with him. When God is with us, there is no need to be afraid. Am I right? Young people, am I right? Yeah, that's right. God doesn't encourage us to have courage. Sometimes, well, he encourages, no. God does not encourage us to have courage. God commands us to have courage. See the difference? And God's presence is the guarantee that God's command is a capable command. I would rather have God at my side than be on the side of many a person try to use self-esteem or this kind of stuff to have courage. Why not have God's courage because of the command? I would rather have God's presence than the approval of men. Nothing of eternal consequence, friend, is certain unless God is with us. And if God is with us, we are commanded to have good courage. I mean, there is no option for an attitude of pessimism and depression as a Christian. That is why no man or woman is called to a tragic motif or a terrible tale as their testimony in the Christian walk. We have a glorious testimony because of the power of God in our life, and we should speak to the truth of who God is in Jesus. 
That is why no man or woman should ever be depressed ultimately. We can have periods and seasons where we can be down. We can have biological struggles. That's not what I'm talking about here. But I'm saying is in terms of attitude, the truth can overtake the facts of our life. We are blessed by God. We are not called to, to bear a testimony of defeat. I'm not talking about perfection when I say that God calls us to obedience. Obedience is really a, a real expression of courage in our life. I'm talking about the obedience of faith. When we believe God's word, we act on that word, we have faith and courage because we obey the word. When we follow God because we believe in him, his presence and his strength comes into our lives. We abide in him and thus his power abides in us. I don't know about you guys, but you're missing something on Wednesday nights if you don't come out to our prayer meeting. I'm not doing the prayer meeting right now. So I'm going to tell you what's happening. We have a spiritual gifts emphasis from Dr. Schaefer. Dr. Schaefer taught ministers 20 years in India. And I'm sitting in that prayer meeting learning from a seasoned Adventist scholar, teacher, and speaker on spiritual gifts and abiding in Christ was the lesson of prayer meeting this Wednesday. It was, it was wonderful. It's what I needed. I want to encourage you to come out to prayer meeting and not miss it. And I, I won't be doing it for a while. I'll be visiting here and listening and growing in our prayer meeting. So God said, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid or surprised because God is with you. The Hebrew name Joshua is the Old Testament name in the New Testament Greek for Jesus. Jesus in Greek comes from Yeshua. Joshua is Jesus, same name. And so there comes a place in the Old Testament where the two Joshuas meet because Jesus was named after Joshua the conqueror who led his people to the promised land, the Greek name for the, the Hebrew hero. In the providence of God, the two Joshuas meet. Joshua 5 verse 11. On the morrow after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manna ceased on the morrow when they ate of the produce of the land. So they've come in, the manna stops falling, something is in transition. It says, and the people of Israel had manna no more, but ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. According to Jewish tradition, at the time of Christ, it was taught that the Messiah would come when the manna would fall again. And so it was a sign of the Messiah's coming. This is why the, the miracle in John 5 is so significant. When he reproduces the bread, it's echoing this idea of manna coming back. The manna was the visible reminder that, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It means that we should do what heaven says. Man lives on the word of God, and so manna was to remind him of that. So when the manna stopped falling, what would God do for men without manna? What would God do for the people who needed the word of God every day in their life when there was no longer a visible sign of it? When they're ready to take the promised land, the manna ceases. It looks like a bad omen, not a good one. So what does God give? You see, God took away the symbol to show us that manna is ultimately not a thing you pick up on the ground. It's not something you stick in your stomach. Manna and the providence of God is a man of God who is the messenger of God that comes from heaven to give us God's word. And so when manna stops, Joshua's there near Jericho. He lifts up his eyes and he sees a man. And that man is the captain of the Lord's army. He is the living embodiment of the word of God. All that manna means. In Genesis 15.1, if you could read the Hebrew Bible, the preexistent Christ came to Abram and the Hebrew text says that his name was the word of God. 
You know, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. It comes from, from Genesis 15, 1, when Jesus, as the Word of God, appeared to Abram. No more bread from heaven to remind them of heaven's power to sustain life. And that is when Joshua meets the man who is manna, the mighty man of God who will come as a baby in the future and be named Jesus, Joshua, because he will save his people from his sins. He meets him there in his preexistent form as the commander of the Lord's army. Joshua 5.13, here it is. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood before him with his sword drawn in hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Joshua would never have met the man if Joshua was afraid of the sword in his hand. Would he? He would have turned around and gone the other way. Instead, he walked toward that man with his sword in his hand. He went out to meet him. Joshua asked the salient question we sometimes ask of Christ when we are afraid to meet the living Christ. Are you for us, Christ, or are you for our enemies? Are you really out to help us, Jesus? You know, we've asked that kind of a question. Sometimes we feel the Lord is against us, even though we have all the evidences in the world to know that he is for us. And the answer that comes back to Joshua from the preexistent Christ is not what Joshua expected from the Lord that day. Joshua 5.14, zero in on the verse with me. And he said, no, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua, I'm not for you. And I'm not for your enemies either. I'm for only one person. I am for God. The pre-existent Christ told Joshua that he comes to us as the commander of the Lord's army. We don't tell him what to do. We don't manipulate him with our religion. We don't do this seed thing and force the Lord to answer our prayers in our way like these famous television shows from Texas that make mega churches out of certain pastors and so on. That's not how it works. We don't treat religion as magic. We can't have God work for us because we have power over God. I'm for God, Christ said. So the real question is for us this day, who are you for? The question was asked, implied here, Joshua, who are you for? It's implied in the interaction. And so I ask it as well, who are you for, Mike, Susan, Bill, and Annie here today? As the commander of the Lord's army, I am for the Lord. That's what Jesus said back then. But who are you for today in your life? Do you have courage to be for the Lord no matter what? To really obey him, who are you for? Jesus is not a pawn, as I said, to be manipulated by our religious tricks or by our prayers or our needs and all of that. He's for God. He's going to do what's right for God in your life, whether you like it or not. And so we have to ask ourselves, who do we align with? Friend, Christ is for our good only because Christ is for God. Did you hear me? Christ is for our good only because Christ is for God. He's not for your good because he has this obligation to deliver what we want. He will work for us if we are for God also. So who are you for today is the question of the hour. Verse 14 continues. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord bid his servant? Now he got it. It's not about what I want from you. It's not about, you know, how I want you to defeat my enemies. What do you want me to do as your servant, Lord? And then let me work for you. You're in charge of my life, not me in charge of you. 
Friend, you, can win, you can't win a real and lasting victory in your life unless you fall on your knees and you call Jesus Lord and you really mean it. You know, to say it doesn't mean anything. To mean it, you have to mean it. And so he got on his knees. He fell, he got down. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? We worship Christ as God's leader in our life, or we don't have Christ at all. We'll continue with today's Reaching Your Heart and Pastor Michael Oxentenko in just a moment. If you'd like to attend the worship service, I will have details on how you can do that here at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. You can always attend online at reachinghearts.org slash video. That's reachinghearts.org slash video. Many archived messages are available there for you, and you can attend the live service in a streaming format at that website, reachinghearts.org slash video. Let's continue now with Pastor Michael Oxentenko in today's Reaching Your Heart. We call him Lord, or he's not a savior. And we learn to obey him only because he's Lord and nothing less. You cannot effectively face the battle of Jericho in your life. In your own life, you cannot deal with the stuff that's coming your way at the end of time unless Jesus is Lord for you. He must be the commander in your life to win. Many people look to Jesus as a friend, but not as the Lord. They want Jesus' comfort, but not his instruction. They want his peace, but not his presence. They want his ideas to be a jumping board so they can be smart theologically rather than submit to his simple, profound teachings that transform lives that are practical. And so Jesus, in his preexistent role as the ancient leader of Israel, speaks to Joshua for him to take notice of who it is that is standing before him. It's not just a man who is manna. It is the commander of the Lord's army. It is the word of God in human form, preexistent form, as the leader who will guide them to victory. Joshua 5 verse 15. And I'd like to say it's possible to be a Christian and fail to recognize the person of Christ in his power. You know, we, we, we want Christ's packaged right, so we will accept him. Friend, You must accept Christ on his terms, not yours, to be a Christian. Joshua 5.15, And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Put off your shoes from your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Christ spoke as God as the angel of the Lord at the burning bush. Take off your shoes, Moses, for the place you're standing on is holy ground. That happened to Moses. Now the commander of the Lord's army says, Take off your shoes because I'm God. I am the commander. I am the one who is for God, but I am God. Fall down. This is holy ground. You know, Christ is our friend. This he is. Christ we need as our friend in life. But friend, take off your shoes. Christ is God. And what makes the space around us holy is the presence of Christ in our life and nothing less. If Christ is not with us, we are not holy. If Christ is with us, we are holy. It's not some trick trying to get perfect to impress somebody so Jesus can be forced back. That's a false manipulation of Christian religion. Friend, we can't do that. When Christ is in the life, when Jesus is cherished in the life of Savior, holiness comes with him. If Jesus is not here, here is not holy. So take off your shoes and bow down because I am here, he says, as the commander of the Lord's army. I get goosebumps when I look at this story. I realize how amazing it is. Orson Sweat Martin once said this, 
There can be no failure to a man who has not lost his courage, his character, his self-respect, or his self-confidence. He is still a king. You know, if you don't surrender to fear in your life, if you allow Christ's presence with you, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what it looks like happens to you. It doesn't matter what the judgments of men or others will be against or for you. Friend, you're, you're a king, you're a prince in God's presence because of courage, faith and courage. When God calls you to obedience, he's not asking you to comply to, comply to his will with your own efforts alone. He's not asking you to, to dig deep in and find some strength that you haven't found in yourself. He doesn't have much confidence in your flesh. Paul says we should put no confidence in our flesh. God is asking, yea, he is commanding you in love to let him into your life as Lord. That's the difference. He is asking you to surrender up so he can abide with you and in you and thus by his presence fight for you as the commander of the Lord's army and thus courage becomes yours because he is there. You know, last time I checked, when I read the book of Revelation, it doesn't say that the remnant church is the lion of the tribe of Judah, does it? It doesn't say you and me that we're the lion of the tribe of Judah. It doesn't say that we're all that great at the end of time. It's, you know, the remnant, the Bible says the dragon was angry with the woman, would often make war on the remnant. It doesn't say he's angry with the remnant because the remnant is less than ideal as it enters the mark of the beast issue. He's angry with God's people corporately throughout the world. And so he goes after the remnant that's not all that well off before the mark of the beast. And then the remnant church rises in, in oppression to become what it should be. Friend, we're not the superstars at the time of the end. When I hear people say that a final generation will arise, that final generation will vindicate the character of God, I ask them, haven't you looked at the cross lately? Haven't you heard the words of Jesus when he said, it is finished? You cannot defeat the devil like Jesus did on Calvary's cross. So in Revelation, we follow the lamb wherever he goes. We follow the lamb up Mount Zion. There's no boastful talk in our mouths if we follow the lamb. Laodicea talks like that. Rich and increased with goods, so sure that it can overcome in ways it shouldn't even be talking about. When the real victory is Christ in your life. I need Christ in me, the hope of glory, as Paul said. So the one who calls you Jesus, he is able to free you, to empower you, to sanctify you, and to bring you into the presence of God because the one who started the work in you is faithful to finish the work in you. Now, where are you at in your life today? I ask the question, are you bargaining with God to get your own way? Are you? Are you trying to manipulate religion? to get the outcome you think you deserve? Or are you on your knees in brokenness and humility, taking your fears to Christ, the commander of the Lord's army, who has revealed himself to you as Lord? Joshua fought many battles in life, and he won most of them. But when the people were obedient, he won. But when they were disobedient, he lost. And so he learned to obey. When Anakin was in the camp, they had to be disciplined so that they could win again. As we obey God, God has called us to victory, nothing less than victory. And so we kneel before the commander of the Lord's army and we recognize him as God. My son called me the other night. I love my sons. I love them more than life. And I'll take every opportunity I can to be with them, to try and direct them. They don't choose the things I choose, you know. I always imagine my son being a, an evangelist. Well, right now he's in the army. You're looking at a picture of him up there. We're a military family. I'm not ashamed of that. We're a military family. 
My son is in the army. He's a patriot. He said, Dad, the military is tough. He told me that recently. I was, it was amazing to hear. He said, sometimes we only have four hours of sleep. And that's how it is. Can't whine. And other times, he said, we are called to stand out at formation for hours on end. And I, he said, I've seen people faint right there standing in formation. They faint. But we must stand when we are called to stand. He said, Dad, in the military, complaining is not acceptable. I said, wow, I'd like you to come preach a sermon on that. Complaining is not acceptable in the military. They just don't allow it around here. It's not part of our code of conduct. We don't complain. We recognize authority. We are disciplined. We work together as a team. We hold a high code of honor, and we are called to be soldiers. Now, he could just as easily have said, we are called to be Christians. Right? We're called to be Christians. I said, son, that is how it is with Jesus Christ. We are called to be soldiers and not complain. I pray for my warrior son every day and sometimes all day. All through the day. I told him when he gets out of the army, he needs to be a soldier for God's cause with the word of God in his hand. In the meantime, he needs to represent Jesus as a soldier in the army with the word of God as a Christian soldier. I said, son, I know what can go on. You've got noble people in the military. You have people who will use it as an excuse to live a free lifestyle. Don't compromise with evil in any way in the military. Be true to the commander of the Lord's army, and he will exalt you. He'll protect you in battle. He's at Fort Houston right now, and he sent me this text this week just before he went to bed. It read, good night. I pray for you before I go to bed. And mom, too. I'm, I'm proud of that. I texted him back. I wrote, I'm praying for you also. Submit to the Lord and he will direct your path. The law of God is a light yoke because Jesus is near. I love you, Dad. Well, thank you, Pastor Mike. And thank you for listening today to Reaching Your Heart. That will conclude Strength and Honor. Don't forget you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. We would really love for you to be a part of our worship service. It's held every Saturday at 11 o'clock. That address is 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland. 20707. Or if you're more comfortable, you're certainly welcome to watch online at reachinghearts.org slash video. Reachinghearts.org slash video. The live broadcast will be streaming and available for you on that website. Reachinghearts.org slash video. Thanks for listening. And we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.